Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you again to share God's word. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the next of our songs of ascent, songs to return to. This one will be Psalm 127, and uh, we're going to be talking about God builds. Well, as you probably know by now, the songs of ascent mean songs of going up. And these were psalms used by the pilgrims in the Old Testament going up to Jerusalem, the city of God, going up specifically to the temple in Jerusalem to worship, probably for most of the various religious festivals that came through the Jewish year there in the Old Testament. These were special events when God's people were able to meet with God and they were so excited to all be together. They came from right across the nation and they uh, gathered eagerly together, worked their way up the pilgrim path to Jerusalem and the temple. And as they went, they would sing and recite these psalms. And this Psalm 127 is one of those. And let me read it to you, and then I want to share a few thoughts out from it. So, one, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labour build it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Now, this morning, I really only want to focus on verses 1 and 2. In fact, to be strictly honest, I want to focus on just the first sentence, really. So my text would be, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. And uh, I want to shape what I'm sharing with you this morning around three questions. And so the first question is this, what house are we talking about when we read this passage of God's word unless the Lord builds the house those who build it labor in vain so what house are we talking about well if you look at the whole context of the psalm you could say it's a family house it's our homes Uh, verses three to five have quite a domestic application about children and family life and for sure that can be quite an important truth that we as Christians need to build our homes on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And we need to trust him for our children and their, and their upbringing. We need to make sure that everything we do in our family life is focused around Jesus and around God's word. But nevertheless, despite that important truth, these are songs of ascent, songs for going up to Jerusalem, going up to the temple. And really, although they have little domestic bits in them, they're all focused on that corporate worship that's coming up. That's why we're looking at them together at this time as we come back to corporate worship. And Phil Moore, in his commentary on Psalms, straight to the heart of Psalms, says this, and it's quite helpful to put it in context. He says of Psalm 127, this is the eighth song of ascent. The pilgrims had now arrived at the temple courtyards and are in danger of being so impressed by the buildings in front of them that they forget the greatness of the Lord. They mustn't be so impressed with Solomon's city and with the great temple that he's built that they lose focus on the Lord 
who helped him to build them. And that would be the context of those opening verses. So there is very good reason to take this psalm as primarily about God's house, God's dwelling place. And that's certainly where I want to focus my thoughts this morning. Now, in the Old Testament, Jerusalem was God's city and the temple in Jerusalem was called God's house. It was the place where God dwelt. It's where you could meet with the living God and his presence could be known in a unique way, unique across the whole earth. This was the place where you met with the living God. Now, in the New Testament, God's temple is very different. And I've got two verses that illustrate the difference. And uh, let's just read them together. One is uh, Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 22, which says this. So then, to Christians, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with God's saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. And then Peter writing his letter, 1 Peter says this, verse, uh, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, that's Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are living stones and are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So God's house, God's temple in the New Testament, in our time, the time we're living in, after Jesus came, died, rose again, went back to heaven, God's house is not bricks and mortar buildings. That's not what, what it is at all. It is the church, the church of Jesus Christ. That's God's house. That's where God dwells in this age, in this time. God, by his Holy Spirit, dwells in his church. And that is a house built with living stones, built with people, People who are followers of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you've committed your life to him and you've asked him into your life and to be the Lord of your life, then you have become one of these living stones. And he's building you into his house, God's house. I think we need to take a moment even to talk about the word church because obviously in our time that is still very much used generally to refer to buildings to bricks and mortar but that's not what church is in the bible not in the new testament at all what was meant they didn't have buildings called churches church is simply a translation of a greek word ecclesia now ecclesia the greek word meant literally called out ones called out ones people called out from the general population to gather together and actually it was used, and I'm going to quote a Greek dictionary here, it was used of a gathering of competent citizens, that is people who were qualified for one reason or another, competent citizens of a city-state. They were gathered together to decide the laws, to decide public policy, and to appoint officials. 
So out from the general population, people qualified in some way. I think they might have been uh, people who owned homes or landowners or something in those days. I, I don't know how broad the qualification was. But anyway, they were called out and gathered together to, to implement laws, to, to appoint officials to run the city. In the New Testament, that word, ecclesia, was taken up and used for those gathering together to Jesus, called out from the general population, gathered together in one place to obey Jesus, to hear his word, to worship him together, to uh, fellowship together, to pray together, and almost always, I think, in the New Testament, to break bread together and remember what Jesus had done for them. They were called out and gathered for a specific purpose, a Jesus-centered purpose. So, church in our Bibles is never about a building or a physical structure. It's always about living stones, people, followers of Jesus, gathered together to worship him and to follow him. Now, all through the New Testament, you pick up this idea that that is the temple today, gatherings of Christians. Just one example. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, no, 16, sorry, it Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and he says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Now the you there is plural. It's not to one person, it's to a group of people. And he says you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells among you. So he might say to someone like Hope Church Winchester, you are God's temple. You are. And when you come together, God's amongst you. And that's the way he unpacks that later in 1 Corinthians 14. So when you come together, one of you has a tongue, one of you has interpretation or reading, but people come amongst you and say, wow, God's here. It's the place where people can meet with God. So for us, God's house is Christian Jesus followers gathered together to worship, hear the Bible, fellowship, pray and break bread. Let's go on to my second question. Who is building this house? Is it God or is it men? Well, if you look carefully at the text, it's both. Listen, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. So you've got two builds there. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. So somehow God and people are both involved in building God's house. But we need to get the order right. It's God first. It's God's house and he is in charge. He's in authority. He has the power and the responsibility to build his house. Actually, to be precise, because we're talking about the triune God here, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to be precise, for us in the New Testament, we might say Jesus is building his house. And let me give you a couple of verses just to, to point that out and make that clear. Jesus himself said in Matthew 16, verse 18, this, I tell you, he's saying to Peter, the Apostle Peter, I tell you, you're Peter, and then play on words with his name, really, and on this rock, the rock Jesus is referring to is the statement of faith Peter's made, the confession of faith. So I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock, confession of faith in me, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus said, I'm going to build a church based on people who put faith in me, believe who I am, that I said I am, what I said I am is who I am, but put their faith in me and declare that faith to others. 
And then later on in the New Testament, Hebrews 3, 3 says this, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honour than the house itself. So Jesus is building the church. It's his church and he's building it. And that's how we're meant to understand it when we come to think about what God's doing in the church today. Jesus takes material, very poor shoddy material, like me and like you. If you lose the analogy of rocks and stones, some of us are like rocks lying randomly out there under all weathers, no purpose, just lying in the ground. Others of us are almost like into a, a rock face. We're, we're cemented in almost to the world and its values. One way or another, Jesus either picks us up or blasts us out of the rock face and then he shapes us in his love and by his spirit and makes us into living stones suitable for him to use to build his church and build into his church. Actually, the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son are all involved in building the church. It is Jesus, but he is also, as it were, sending his spirit to do the work amongst you and I. And when we become a Christian, we're born again of the Holy Spirit as we put faith in Jesus. And then we find God is our Father. It's one God, three persons, the mystery of the Trinity. And we find that we're drawn in to be used by him to build a dwelling place for God, to build the church. And yet... God does use people to build his church. Under his authority, he does use us. Spurgeon, the great uh, 19th century preacher, said this, The Lord will not build the house without our labouring. In other words, we do need to work with God. We need, he needs co-workers. The house is not built without our labouring. And that's a good picture. We're like the labourers he is the boss. He's the architect. He's the site manager, whatever word you want to use. He's both of those, the project manager. But we are the laborers. And he decides how to use us in building his church, when to use us, who to use, and in what way, and how long to use us. We're almost, if it were, uh, at his disposal. That's how we need to think of ourselves. And this is a particularly important word for church leaders. And I speak as someone who's been a church leader. No church is ever our church. No church is our church. Any real church belongs to him. It's Jesus' church. Jesus builds his church. And we are just laborers on the building site. And he can use us for as long as he likes or as short as he likes and for whatever purpose he has in mind. We are serving him. He is the builder. Now this is humbling, very humbling, and we need to hear it. But it's also releasing. It takes pressure off us. We are working, but God is responsible for the building. As Paul put it, using another picture, metaphor, one sows, another waters, but it's God who gives the increase. He was thinking there of farming. One person sows the seed, one person waters the seed, but actually it's God who makes it grow and fruitful. It's the same principle. All our efforts at doing church or building church or leading a church are futile if we're not under the authority of Jesus. We're not submitted to his direction and his power. Diligence is needed, but anxiety is wrong. It's not for us to get wound up and anxious about the job. 
It's his job to build the church. And all of us, and I think I'm speaking a little bit to leaders because I'm very conscious of that as a leader. We have a choice. All of us have a choice about this. We can either rely on our own effort, think it's all down to us, think it's all under our control, it's all up to us and all the credit goes to us or all the blame goes to us. Or we can choose the truth, which is that Jesus is building his church. It's God's house. He's in control. The blessing uh, is from him. The credit is for him. And he will carry it through the difficulties and the troubles as well. And then we can become emotionally and physically healthier, even as we work with him. And what God builds will be strong and healthy. So Jesus is building his church with living stones. That's human beings who get saved and brought into his kingdom and follow Jesus. And he uses other Christians to help build the church. But we're all under his authority. So let's go on to my last question. What are the implications for us today? Well, I hope you've picked up quite a few of them about how we should view church and how we should live and if we're leaders or involved in church ministry in any way, the right balance between diligent work but not taking all the pressure and responsibility and trying to control it all ourselves. But actually we're looking at a profound truth this morning at a very key time in our lives as Christians in Britain. Now, this may be watched by people elsewhere. I'm sure your country's going through something not dissimilar to us. That is, we've just had 16 months of virtually continuous lockdown in one form or another. We're now beginning to emerge from it as the uh, pandemic doesn't so much recede, but we're sort of, thank God, on top of it a bit. The vaccination program has been amazing, miraculous. Many Christians prayed, I did, we did, many of us did, that the the vaccines would be found quickly, and they were remarkably quickly. And we're so grateful for everybody who discovered them and scientists and medics. And, And the process has been thoroughly done. In our country, we're grateful for this. Our National Health Service has done a great job. And now huge numbers of people, I think it's over 70% of the population have both vaccinations and nearly 90% have had one, which is wonderful and does make an impact to protect our health and to protect us from one another from this disease. So things are changing and it's time for us to think about this truth clearly and practically. The church Jesus is building consists of living stones built together. People called out and gathered together to follow Jesus and worship him. Jesus referred to the universal church he was building, which is all Christians through time and throughout the world. That's sort of what he's talking about in Matthew 16. But he also referred in Matthew 18 to what we'd call local churches, Gatherings, local gatherings of believers, like they were in Corinth and Colossae and Galatia and in the New Testament and are here in Winchester and other places. Local gatherings of believers who gather together to follow Jesus, to hear his word preached, to obey him, to worship him, to break bread and remember what he did for them when he died and rose again, to pray together, to love one another, encourage and help one another, and all of those things that we find in the Bible. And as they do that, as they gather together to do that, they become a living temple in their community, in their village, in their city, in their town, in their district, They become a temple. In fact, the only temple of the living God. The only temple where you can meet with the true, the one true living God. 
the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is only the only one true living God. And you can only meet with him in a living, spirit-filled church. You can't meet with him by going to any sort of building. It's got to be in a gathering of God's people. You can have all sorts of emotional experiences just going to a building and you can learn things about God. I'm not belittling that. But the, the true temple is living stones gathered together. Now, I'd have to say something that's absolutely true and lines up with this biblical truth. That online material, such as you're watching this morning, is extremely helpful for building the church, but it can never be in itself the church, almost by definition, because people are watching me and listening to me on their own or in very, very small groups. So it can't replace what the Bible talks about as church. Now, these online services have been magnificent. We're so grateful for everybody who's, who's produced them and, and, and helped us uh, do them, and all sorts of people have served us incredibly. And they're a blessing to those who, who still feel housebound and don't feel able to get out. We understand that. They've been a blessing where none of us were able to get out. They continue to be a blessing in sharing the gospel with people who might not have heard it otherwise. They're, these... Online services are a very useful tool for us. Very, very useful. A great blessing like lots of things are, like a good Christian book can be a great blessing or a good podcast. But church is ultimately embodied, gathered Christians who assemble together and worship Jesus together and follow him together and help one another and remember him with bread and wine together. And so I want to say personally to you watching me this morning that if you're watching online many, many, many miles away from Winchester, welcome. Thank you for watching us. I'm so glad that you enjoy watching and listening to Hope Online. And I do trust that we have been a great blessing to you all through the last 18 months and will continue to be a blessing to you as you watch us on and off over the months to come. But can I actually encourage you, wherever you are, to prayerfully seek out a local church that you can attend, where you can go along and meet with other believers and begin to form a little living temple where you are. There's probably some around you. Ask God to guide you. You may not find it first time. You say, Lord, take me to the right house nearby, the right house you're building in my community or my town. Now, if you live in Winchester and you don't belong to a church, can I really invite you to come along and meet with us here at Hope Church? Now that our country and our city is, is being relaxed on its restrictions, we're able to gather together and we're beginning to gather together. And we are gathering together in this NBC uh, building in the centre of Winchester on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We're gathering in the school up at Kingsworthy at 11.15. Please come along and meet with us. And uh, let's, let us meet you and let us encourage and help each other. If you want to know more, you can look on our website, our Hope Church website. I'm sure you'll find something that will interest you. And of course, as we get into September, more and more will be happening. And uh, keep an eye on that website and come along and meet with us. Now, if you belong to Hope Church, I know you've been benefiting from the tremendous work done by our tech team and by our worship team and many others. But the country is now emerging from lockdown and we are beginning to gather together. We can sing again together. It's wonderful, wonderful to be here last Sunday and be able to do that. Can I just say, prayerfully prepare to come and join us. Come and join us. 
Maybe you've already been gathering in small groups. That's great. And there's nothing wrong with that. That must continue. That's a real lifesaver through the last 18 months. But actually, if you belong to this church, Hope Church, there are opportunities for us to gather as the whole church under the shepherding oversight of the elders of Hope Church and to do, as it were, proper church again, where we can worship together, where we can hear the word together, where we can exercise gifts of the Spirit, where we can fellowship and befriend one another and pray for one another. So let's take that opportunity. Let's become the house of God again, tangibly, concrete. Concrete, not concrete building, concrete us. People together, loving Jesus and loving one another. Somewhere where others can come and meet with Jesus in that unique and wonderful way, which Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians 14, where they might come in and say, wow, God is among you. God is really here. And I'm meeting with him as I gather with you. That does happen. It will happen. It continues to happen. And it will happen again as we move into the future, building the church. We're under the authority of Jesus. He tells us what church is. We don't decide. He decides. And he's building his church. And we're part of that. We're living stones, part of what he's building in our day and in our generation. Let me just close by praying. I'm going to pray uh, probably for two categories of people, those of you nearby, those of you further away. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone who enjoys watching Hope Online and benefits from it. And I pray, Lord, that those who are watching from a long way away from Winchester, I pray, Lord, that if they don't have a local church that they belong to, please lead them to one. Lead them to a little temple in their community, in their place, somewhere where they can belong, somewhere where you can build them in as living stones uh, in that area. And I pray, Lord, for my friends and my brothers and sisters in the Winchester area. Lord, I pray for those who only just begun to get to know you, perhaps haven't ever gone to a church. Lord, lead them to, to find their way to Hope Church in Central or North. And Lord, I pray they'll find the right opportunity. Guide them, whether it's to come on a Sunday or to, to one of the other things that are organised, uh, maybe as we begin September and beyond. But Lord, I pray you'll draw them in to this community, draw them into this living temple. And Lord, for those of us who belong to Hope Church Winchester and have not yet managed to find our way back, a bit nervous or concerned, Lord, I pray that your spirit will come on us, give us clarity and wisdom about how to come back with our brothers and sisters. I pray that we are able to enjoy the small groups that we belong to. But Lord, I pray before long, you will gather us all back together and there'll be a tremendous sense of your presence. I pray, Holy Spirit, come down on us. May there be new outpourings of your spirit on this church and on every church that truly gathers to Jesus. I pray for a fresh move of your spirit in the months and years ahead as we emerge from this dreadful period we've come through. Thank you for your mercy on us, Lord. Thank you for your protection. Now, Holy Spirit, fall on your church and revive us again. May there be wonderful times of your knowing your presence amongst us. And may many come in and say, surely, God is among you. I ask that in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.